Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford. He is my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, the spring rite of passage in the NFL known as OTAs is coming up. And just to give fans uh, the lay of the land here a little bit, Starting next week, the Packers will have three weeks of OTAs, which stands for Organized Team Activities. Essentially, it's non-padded practices. They can do 11-on-11 work, but shorts and helmets only, not full gear. And um, so I want to use the next two episodes, this one and then our first episode next week, to preview OTAs a little bit, just to give kind of the landscape, the sense of uh, what you and I are going to be watching for, what what uh, the media will be looking for at these practices. We'll have access to one practice per week over the next three weeks in terms of getting to watch practice and then also interview players in the locker room afterwards. So with this show, we'll focus on the offensive side of the ball to preview OTAs. And I don't know about you, but I think the one thing that jumps out at me that I'm going to look for right away at this first OTA practice that we get access to next week is where some things sit on the offensive line because you added Billy Turner in the offseason as a free agent. Cole Madison is back from taking what would have been his rookie year off from the NFL. And then you added Elton Jenkins, a second-round draft pick at number 44 overall. I'm a little curious just to see in terms of the depth chart what positions these guys are lining up at. These new additions on the offensive line are interesting. Yeah, really the only one that I'm kind of curious about is Billy Turner uh, just because you know they, they left it open-ended in terms of where he's going to play and potentially where he could fit on the offensive line. I think we saw him a lot of guard during that voluntary minicamp, uh, right guard specifically. That's a spot that is open right now. Yeah. He could conceivably fit in there. From from the rest of that, it's all going to depend on the health of the starting offensive linemen. And you, you, know, you can't really read much into really where Elton Jenkins is going to be yet. We know how this works with the offseason program. I, I, the story I always go back to is that people wait, made way too big of a deal out of Alex Green being ahead of Eddie Lacy in 2013 right. during minicamp back then. And then two, you know, two months later, you know, Eddie Lacy's right at the top of the depth chart when training camp begins. So th- those are the things. They're going to give the veterans. They're going to give the guys who have status. They'll get the, the top end of those reps. But, you know, I think it's going to be really valuable for guys like, uh, you know, a guy like Cole Madison. He has been through the process before. Last year, he looked good throughout the offseason program, looked like he was going to be able to contend for a starting spot, then obviously didn't report. But having him here, getting back acclimated with a new offense, I think is going to be really important for him. And then also, you know, those guys lower down the depth chart, they are very deep on the offensive line. Lucas Patrick is a guy that's going to have to defend his roster spot. Justin McCray, Jason Spriggs. A lot of depth, a lot of versatility, and a lot of experience there, Michael, uh, with guys that are trying to show you know, they, they, they belong. Yeah, well, I think uh, it's pretty clear, at least I, w- I guess I'll put it this way, I'll be really surprised if Billy Turner is not the number one right guard as, as yeah. we start OTAs. I think that's what the Packers signed him for. That's what uh, um, the value of that contract would certainly indicate. They signed him to be a starter from the get-go. With Jenkins and Madison, I'm curious because the Packers are, for the most part, as far as we know at this point, looking at them as interior offensive linemen. And we know that there's a lot of talk about can one of these guys push Lane Taylor at left guard. Now, I talked to Taylor 
right after the season ended, the last open locker room we had after the final game against the Lions. And I had an interesting conversation with him because he, he said coming off of last year, he had an off-season ankle surgery. It pretty much kept him out of all of the off-season program. He was ready to play week one. He got out there. He played the bulk of the season, but he actually admitted, he's like, I really didn't feel right. The ankle didn't feel right until, you know, about the eighth or ninth game of the regular season. And I mean, we saw it. Taylor didn't have the season that, that he had had in the past. He And he was clearly dealing with something there. But now this is where as a veteran, he feels like he's coming back healthy, but there are going to be some young guys that'll potentially push him here. So uh, I, I think that's something to watch as we, and again, as you alluded to, you take a little bit of this stuff in OTAs with a grain of salt, especially with offensive linemen. They don't have the pads on, the hits aren't real and all that kind of stuff, but you get a sense of, of kind of how things are going to set up for training camp maybe is the best way to put it. Absolutely. And what, what exactly these guys are going to be working with in terms of who's available and, and whatnot. I'll be honest with you, Michael, and, and I don't know how you feel about it, at least during my time on the beat, which is about six years shorter than yours, I think that this is the deepest they've been on the offensive line in terms of the competition standpoint. When you talk about Lane Taylor, some of these different spots where guys are going to get pushed. Yeah. Billy Turner, as you mentioned, he's going to be the slotted top guy there. He's going to get pushed because think, think about this, Michael. You have Alex Light that was on the roster all throughout last season. Adam Pankey's been on the roster before. Uh, you obviously have Justin McCray and Lucas Patrick and the number of guys that can play different positions. And guys that have, that's what it comes down to. And when you're talking about guys like Patrick and McCray, you're talking about guys who have played in NFL right. games. They've taken the real live snaps that some of these other guys haven't. The story I always love to tell is the first year I covered this team in 2012, Jeff Saturday, about two years past his prime, was already starting at center. It wasn't much of a competition after that. You knew it was going to be Evan Dietrich Smith, and then Don Barkley squeezed out the number seven spot. Packers went into the season with seven offensive linemen. This group, the way they're structured right now, you know, if, if health is not an issue here, if guys stay healthy throughout training camp, there's going to be nine, ten guys contesting for roster spots that might be in contention to really deserve them mm -hmm. in some tough calls that their, you know, general manager Brian Gutekunst is going to have to make. But at the end of the day, that's the that's the plight that these scouts want to have. Yeah, just one interesting little fact I'll throw out before we go on to another position. Um, Elton Jenkins drafted number 44 overall. You know who the last offensive lineman was the Packers drafted at number 44 overall? Darren College? Chad Clifton. Oh, really? Yeah, so oh. just kind of one of those coincidental things. Don't I don't know why. I always thought Clifton was a higher second. I knew he was a second-round draft pick. No, I always was, thought he was higher. He was 44. number 44. Yep. Well, number if this 44. one turns out as well as Clifton did, the Packers will have another <laughs> Hall of Famer on their hands. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I think another position we're certainly going to be watching closely as OTAs begin is the wide receiver spot. And just to give fans a sense of what you and I do when we go to practice, and the 11-on-11 11 11 stuff is what we watch the most. And again, it's not full pads. And these the 11-on-11 11 11 in full pads in training camp is much more indicative of where things are headed. But as soon as they start an 11-on-11 11 11 period, you and I are there. We've got our notebooks. We're jotting down who's taking the first reps because for the most part, those are the guys who at that moment are at the top of the depth chart at those positions. So when it comes to wide receiver, I think you and I are both going to be looking very closely. Maybe I'll look at the offensive line first and you look at the wide receiver so we don't miss anything. 
But if Geronimo Allison is indeed with the starting group as the number two offense, number two wide receiver, excuse me, and then the first time they have a three wide receiver set, who's the third guy? Right. Is it Marquez Valdez Scanling? Is it EQ St. Brown? Is it Jake Kumaro or somebody else? Those are the kinds of things that you and I will watch for when the starters, when Aaron Rodgers is out there taking snaps in 11-on-11, who are the guys that are with him? Absolutely, and it's a great point you raised there because as I was saying when we were talking about the offensive line, there's not a lot you can draw from because you know who's going to be out there. You know they're going to give veteran status to certain guys. They'll get the reps, you know, and I would I would imagine, unless something surprises me, that you're going to see Lucas Patrick and Justin McCray take reps before Jenkins just based on that hierarchy. Mm-hmm. But at receiver, you have three receivers who are all the same age or all the same year you have Jake Kumaro having the experience that he has it will be very interesting to see what the first move is with these receivers and also what they're asking them to do I don't know how many routes we're going to see I don't know how many team periods we're going to see but you are going to get a feel for what the design is going to look like for this offense my personal feeling is Geronimo Allison is that number two guy right now much like the number three last year when he went into training camp I think he has a solid grasp on that and is going to have to defend that in training camp but those three young receivers Michael based on every practice now and going into the summer it can fluctuate and those guys are going to be asked to do different things and then also the guy I keep challenging people not to forget about is Trevor Davis Trevor Davis is still in the thick of this thing as well he gives them the versatility on returns and he had his moments as a receiver most of those came in his rookie year but they're still there so it is going to be a very compelling case to see exactly who from this 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 room of opportunity kind of rises to the top of that. Yeah, it's a good way to put it, room of opportunity, absolutely. Um, quickly, though, Wes, the powerful noise-canceling technology that helps NFL coaches block out 80,000 screaming fans can get you closer to the music you love. Learn more at www.bose.com slash Packers. Bose, the official headphones of the Green Bay Packers. And at home or here in the stands, we all know that Green Bay fans give it their all, and that takes a lot of energy. So grab a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Packers fans everywhere. Try the delicious classic chicken noodle soup. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, official soup partner of the Green Bay Packers. Okay, sticking with the perimeter players on offense, I know we had talked on a previous show just our curiosity as to maybe how things are going to shake out at running back. I really don't think we're going to get any kind of a feel for that necessarily beyond Aaron Jones as the number one until we get to the preseason games. You know, right. that we're, we're talking August and well into August before we know how this shakes out. But the thing I'm going to be watching with regards to the running backs is the pass catching ability. Right. Um, a, how smooth, how smoothly do they do it? And B, how often in this offense are they asked to do it? How much are they going to be repping those kinds of things? Because I think that's something we might see a little bit more of. And I'm not talking about just the checkdowns, you know, when the guy is in open downfield. I'm talking about the designed plays and not even necessarily screen passes, but designed passing plays for the running backs that I think could be part of this Matt LaFleur offense. And how these running backs, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, Dexter Williams, Capri Bibbs, these guys, how smoothly they can look in those reps when it's not full contact, that's going to translate into maybe where they are on the depth chart come summertime. It's a new offense, it's a new coach, new scheme, but I thought one of the things that Mike McCarthy did well during his time in Green Bay is how that position evolved and how the running back and the the receivers, so to speak, in the backfield sort of became more of a prominent part of the offense. When the Packers had their most success right around 2014, they were getting Eddie Lacy and James Starks involved in the screen game. But then as time wore on, you had Ty Montgomery, 
Montgomery, you had Randall Cobb, you even had Devontae Adams at some points lining up in the backfield right. with design plays, being able to motion those guys out, see if you can pick up a few hints from what the defense is asking. I think that's going to be a big thing in this offense with Matt LaFleur, what they're going to ask those guys to do. It isn't just going to be the check down Charlie approach. It's going to be them going out into space, finding holes, and getting open. That is the key to this thing, I think, of the NFL in 2019. We can talk for so many for so long, Mike, about you know, you know, the, the, you know this offense is doing this and Sean McVay's doing that. If you look at the teams that made deep runs in the playoffs this year, I don't know how much playoff football you watched. I think I watched every game I could. Yeah, me too. They a lot of those, especially the Patriots, the things that they do, the the design. It really, I think, is incumbent on offenses now to maximize those running backs, maximize the James Whites of the world. Mm -hmm. Guys that, because so often when you think about scramble plays with quarterbacks, right? Well, sometimes when the quarterback gets free, it's because he's the guy that isn't really accounted for. In the passing game, running backs have sort of become the same player. So seeing how Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, uh, you know, even Danny Vitale, the fullback, these guys can handle that role. I think is going to be paramount for not only getting the roster spot. You know, Dexter Williams and Capri Bibbs, they're going to have to prove themselves in that capacity. But who ultimately is going to be the one getting the bulk of those snaps, the bulk of those touches in the opener against the Bears? Yeah, when you're talking about getting the ball to running backs in the passing game, A, it's presumably higher percentage passes because right. they aren't downfield, they aren't, they aren't highly challenged throws. And then B, if the running back makes one guy miss, suddenly a four or five yard gain can pick up a first down and and off you go offensively. And I think that's going to be something that this uh, this Matt Lafleur offense very well could be built on. And I remember talking to Aaron Jones at the end of the regular season last year, and one of the first things he one of the first things he said is his whole focus in the off season, aside from his health and getting his body to where he can withstand a full 16 game and and hopefully more schedule was about improving his route running and his pass catching out of the backfield. I think he was already sensing that that's the next step from a skill standpoint for him to become the complete well-rounded running back that you know becomes that guy that you don't necessarily want to take off the field very often. Absolutely. And, and the other thing too is that if, we're, if the Packers are going to try to stretch the field a little bit more, you know, Devontae Adams with that little quip about, you know, the yards per catch are going to go up. What happens when you start attacking the second and third levels of a defense? It starts to open up things underneath. And that's where the tight ends, that's where you have, you know, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, they have to be effective in that capacity, being able to become complete players. Because when you look at the guy, and this isn't just for the Packers, this isn't just for the teams. When you look at the running backs now that are making money in this leagues, it's it isn't the guy that has 1800 yards rushing anymore. It's the guy that has 1000 yards rushing and 700 yards receiving. It's a yeah. total yardage game now, Michael. Or maybe even 800 and 800. Like Absolutely. Split it, splitting it evenly. Elvin Kamara isn't yep. no he question. isn't getting 200 carries, 250 carries a year and 1400 rushing yards. It's the total package. Yep. And that's what I think makes these guys valuable. It's what also is going in to some regards is going to extend careers because the more you can do as a pass catcher Look at Darren Sproles, the longer you're going to be in this league. <laughs> yeah, no question about it. Another position I want to touch on quickly before we go today, Wes, and again, I say this uh, in a very, very preliminary sense, but we know that this coming summer, the training camp and preseason is going to shape up as a potentially very legitimate battle for the number two quarterback spot between Deshaun Kaiser and Tim Boyle with where the Packers are now. And uh, and Manny Wilkins has been added to that mix as a fourth quarterback at this point. 
I'm, I'll be interested to see here when we first get a look at these guys in 11 on 11 for the first time, you know, which of these backup quarterbacks, you know, looks the smoothest, looks like mentally they're picking up everything with the offense. We know the mental acuity and the experience that Aaron Rodgers has and everything is going to carry him a long way in this transition to a new offense. But these younger guys, sometimes you just don't know until you see it. And I'll be really curious just uh, how it how it shakes out, how it starts for these guys when they get into some of these 11-on-11 reps. Right, and then the other thing, too, that I'm that I'm most excited to see is Tim Boyle. Uh, and certainly Deshaun Kaiser, a lot of ability there. He's still only 23 years old. And Packers, he's got he's got the playing game experience. I mean, that whole season with absolutely. Cleveland, he got a couple of games last year. I know they didn't go as well, obviously, as he would have liked, but he's got the most playing experience by far of the backup quarterbacks in this group. The reason why I'm really intrigued by Boyle though is because last year this time I wrote the story when he came in for rookie camp. right I remember this was a guy that had a nightmare college career <laughs> in, in, in terms of a guy when you look at committing somewhere he did all the right things he was a Connecticut State player of the year he went to UConn he wanted to rep his state and things did not go there three different coordinators in three different years he obviously moved on finished his career down at the FCS level but all along Michael if you see Tim Boyle walk into a locker room that's an NFL quarterback yep. his body he, he his looks build, the part no doubt about it his arm and we saw it from the get-go last summer. Now, he's still, I'm not trying to put him in the Hall of Fame yet, but I just think when you look at the raw intangibles, you just wipe out all the production in college. You just look at a guy that projects like a developmental quarterback, Boyle checks all those boxes. Mm -hmm. Seeing the strides he made, he spent his offseason here in Green Bay. He obviously was able to be on the 53. He's not getting all those reps during the season, but he is getting a chance to learn from Rodgers. Seeing where he's at in year two now, where he's not just the intriguing, somewhat confusing college prospect, now he's a, a second-year player. And where he's developed from there against Kaiser now, I think is going to be one of the more compelling cases to watch. This yeah, season. I agree with you. You look at you look at his resume as a college player, and you would not think that two years in he'd be a legitimate candidate to be backing up Aaron Rodgers to the Green Bay Packers. But he very much is. And as you said, it's it's all the physical tools. And if there was a guy who needed a clean slate coming out of college yeah. and get to start over. It was Tim Boyle at the toughest position that there is on the football field. And thus far, he's taken advantage of it because he's made the right first impression. Now we're going to see, has he made the strides he needs to make in year two? The only thing that my heart kind of goes out to Boyle over is the fact that can this guy just get the same offensive coordinator and thing <laughs> in a year-to-year -year basis? Yeah. I mean, the fifth year now, I don't even know how many different coaches. This will be his fourth or fifth different head coach, fifth different you, offensive coordinator. And you can say the same thing about Kaiser as yeah. well. Look at what he's gone through from what was going on at Notre Dame to to now, you know, then Cleveland and Green Bay and, and all the change. Another quarter, another young quarterback with a lot of talent who's been dealing with nothing but change and transition for the last four to five years. Right. And I would be remiss just not to throw out there with Manny Wilkins. The thing I like about Wilkins is, okay, you have Kaiser, elite blue chip prospect, you know, in high school and college. Boyle, NFL prototypical, you know, pocket passer, strong arm. You want to have a curveball in there. Manny Wilkins is that curveball. <laughs> he succeeded at ASU playing the game a little differently. I'm very intrigued to see how he responds now 
to this speed, to this level, and also what he could do. Uh, I, I don't know what the ultimate plan is going to be. Matt LaFleur says he does have some reservations about carrying four quarterbacks deep into the training camp and everything like that, right. just based on him wanting to get reps to the, to the other guys. But yep. if Wilkins gets a chance to be around here and be around this team, I, I would be really intrigued to see him play in the training camp and preseason and what he can offer as a quarterback. All right. Well, with that, we will get to our defensive preview of OTAs in our next show. But for now, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. If you like podcasts, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. We also are back on Spotify. I know there were some technical issues there. So available on Spotify again, as well as other podcast services and on Twitter. He's at Wes Hod. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.